Welcome to Crossbusting Your Way to an Awesome Life with me, Dr. Pat Basile. We are coming to you live to bring you stories of people like you and me who are busting through to their unlimited possibilities. Right about now, you may be asking, what is crust? Crust is what keeps you stuck. It is anything you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Well, good morning, everyone. Yep, this is a double dose of crust busting here. Ooh, tell me about <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Yep, we were just uh, on uh, Cam and Lucia's show, Contact Talk Radio. God, great show. Huh? Hustling and bustling. I know. And now here we are with Crust Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life and with me, Dr. Pat Basile. Well, you know, this has been an amazing week. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you that have been listening and sending me emails and, and telephoning me and, uh, um, you know, just sharing your stories. Uh, I just am so with you uh, in, in each and everything that you do. And um, and know that we hold absolutely abundance for each and every each and every one of our listeners out there. Um, do we have the angels, the angel cards today? I didn't bring them in. I know I have the angel cards. You, you got them in that little pile somewhere. I got them in the pile. Hold the line. <laughs> As we speak, Pat Basile is currently getting up off her chair, taking a, a stride over to her large gift bag. And lo and behold, she's still searching. It's anticipating. She's walking around the studio wondering where are the angel cards. She's tapping on the window trying to get Linda's. Oh, Linda's even looking at me like, I know where they are. No, wait. She's wait a minute. Well, she's back. We will be right back with our angel cards. But wait a minute. Let's talk about our show today. <laughs> you know, we've been talking about uh, careers. We've been talking about situations that, uh, you know, affect where we are in terms of our work and the things that we want to do. And uh, if, if you listen to the show earlier, there, there's this idea about being outrageous. But today's guest, you know, we have with us uh, Mary Foley, and she is writing about and has committed her life's work to what she calls bodacious careers, outrageous success for working women. And she is uh, with us today to share her personal story, which is very, very intriguing. And boy, does it, you know, about crust busting big time. And to talk about the, the ways that we can really choose the careers that we want. And, you know, this, this show is, is directed, you know, towards women for today, but it, does not inc- it doesn't exclude men. And I want to say that. Um, you know, let's talk about this. Are, is this a question that's going on for you right now? Are you satisfied with your career? Are you frustrated by the glass ceiling? Are you wondering where to take your career? And so many of you have shared stories with me uh, of conditions and circumstances that are happening right here in our area. And so, you know, we're here to provide information uh, so that you can make choices about your career and about your life and know that you can do just about anything that you want to do. And we talked about that, uh, you know, for this, this past hour was about that. And sometimes to kind of make things move along a little quickly, a little bit more quickly, as Sue Storm would say, to move the molecules uh, more quickly. Move them, move them. Just move them. Get them going. We want someone to help us with Absolutely. that. And today Mary Foley is here to do that. 
It's gonna be so good. it's gonna be good. Before we bring Mary on, I am pulling out the angel card for today. Because we finally located the bag. We've got the bag. It was in a hiding in a little hiding spot. Okay, today. This is what we've been talking about for like the past hour, and it is abundance. Hey. Whoa. Look at that. That's today's. So Monday we had. Simplicity. Tuesday we had. It's right there on the table. Oh, yeah, thank you. Synthesis. I was like, it's Synthesis. another Synthesis. Today we have abundance. Here's what this is about. Okay? Cultivate an attitude of generosity and act as though there is plenty for you and for everyone everywhere. Give freely and generously. Uh, we were just talking about that. Sure. Yeah. It's all over. It is all over. Okay, so I want to do this right now. I love doing this right now. I love giving out our, our telephone number. Um, it's the best part of the day. Folks have said to me, please give out the telephone number earlier. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay, good. And slow down. Slow down. So here's the slow version. <laughs> uh, we're going to give out this number now. We're going to open up the lines, be talking to Mary. We're talking about bodacious careers. We're going to open up the line for your questions and comments. And so here we go. If you're in the Seattle area, please call us at 425 373 5527. That's 425-373-5527. And we have a toll-free number if you don't live in uh, the Seattle area, and that is 1-888-298-5569. That's 1-888-298-5569. And if you can't through, get through, keep trying. Yeah, we're so trying okay. to through our calls as fast as we, we can. are doing that. We've uh-huh. got uh, Linda and we've got Benny, and uh, you know, we're doing it. That's right. We're doing it. We've Absolutely. got the phone thing down pretty good now. Oh sure. So I think I think we've uh, you know <laughs> we we've got the thing effectively working. A little crazy when Sue Storm's here, but we get it done. We're getting it done. Okay, we're here for you. Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back with the amazing, bodacious Mary Foley. Oh, yeah. What is that, Benny? Uh, let's see here. It's a little soul decision is the name of it. Oh, okay. Because we're soulful today. Absolutely. We're absolutely soulful. We're soulful every day. Today, <laughs> we are soulfully bodacious. And that's because, you know, my very special guest here is Mary Foley. Let me just say a little bit about Mary, and then Mary's going to tell you her story. Um, you know, experiencing Mary is and I want to say this, like experiencing bodaciousness. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, you're going to hear about a lot about it. Now, we've talked a little bit about how we make these changes from different situations in employment. But at age 33, Mary retired from America Online, where she started 10 years earlier, as an $8 an hour customer service rep. And during those years, she learned that being bold, audacious, and courageous, that means bodacious, was the only way to thrive as a woman in business in today's world. And this is the book we're talking about. In this book, Bodacious Career, Outrageous Success for Working Women, Mary shares her lessons, 
learned and strategies for a career success. As author, speaker, and seminar leader, she empowers women to look within, think strategically, act bodaciously, and love every minute. So let's welcome Mary to the show. Hi, Mary. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm feeling bodacious today. Oh, and you know what? I, I can feel the vibration because I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, you have a fascinating story, and you and I talked a little bit about it during the break. Tell our listeners about, you know, how you got on this incredible journey. Uh, well, you know, actually many people ask me. They say, Mary, how is it that you started working at AOL for $8 an hour as a customer service rep and worked your way up to be head of corporate training? How did you do that? Okay. (laughs) Well, I want you to know this, that I had a detailed step-by-step plan that I executed without flaw. Whoa. How detailed? When you say detailed, give us a sense of this. Well, I also then say, and if you believe that, you know, that I'm only 25 years old and I used to be a blonde. Okay. (laughs) Okay, because the real reason is, you know, the point is, is that, I mean, I had a direction I was trying to go in as Mm -hmm. a young career woman. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's impossible, I think, to have a kind of plan that you say in detail and for sure what's going to happen, you know, and and how you're going to handle every situation that comes up. You know, the truth is I took this $8-an-hour customer service job right out of college Mm -hmm. um, because even though I had an engineering degree, I needed a job. That's right. You know? I do know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've had some people say, I know it, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, they're going, hey, if you're smart enough to get an engineering degree, aren't you clued in enough to know that you can make more than eight bucks an hour, you know, with at least that education? But the deal was is that by the time I finished my engineering school, I realized something very clearly. I didn't want to be an engineer. Oh, boy. You know, you know? that is an awakening when that happens, isn't it? Exactly. And I mean, the thought to me at that point, I was 23 years old, of doing that kind of job day in and day out, I just thought, <laughs> i get depressed. And so what I didn't realize then, but I can look back now, is uh, know that one of my first bodacious gutsy moves was to not become an engineer, even though it was a field where I could have more easily gotten a job and being a minority as being a woman, I could have been well paid and, you know, all of that. And yet it wasn't something that made me want to go, oh, I want to get up in the morning and go to work. Yeah, you weren't cheerleading about going into work, were you? Not at all. And so I thought, well, okay, I'm not doing that. I don't know what I want to do. What I did know at that point as a new graduate of 23 years old was I had bills to pay. And so I had to find something to start paying the bills, start Mm -hmm. supporting myself. That's when I answered an ad in the Washington Post. I lived around the Washington, D.C. area, uh, and there was some small computer company wanted to uh, hire some people to be customer service reps Uh to help their customers get online. Right. You know, and it was 1988, and I thought, well, whatever that is, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I'd, I'd worked, um, I'd been in, a, been in engineering school, I had to work with computers, um, I knew what that was like, you know, it was still more up and coming at that point even so, but, you know, I didn't know really what online was, um, but I went in, I did an interview, and I could tell from just even that short interview that there was something different about that place. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of younger people there, for sure, mm-hmm. and, and it was 1988, and people were more casually dressed, which was more unusual then, but beyond all that, there was an enthusiasm there. Yes. It was just 
in the air and contagious. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, um, you know, this will pay the bills. Um, fortunately, they did offer me the job, and, and it will pay the bills, but there was something about that environment that attracted me to it, mm-hmm. and I decided to go for it. You can, you sound like you were really jazzed about uh, it. I was. Yeah. I was, and the interesting thing was is I didn't know all why I was jazzed. Uh-huh. I just had to be tuned into that and believe it to be true and have somewhat of an adventurous spirit to say, well, you know what? What's the worst thing that can happen? I take this job, I do it for a couple months, I look around and go, oh, this isn't going to be a good match, <laughs> and I look somewhere else. Yeah. You know, even that attitude, even I think, is, is good. And it's, it's certainly in one way you could say, well, it's easier to do at 23. You don't have so many responsibilities. Life isn't as complex. Well, that's true in hindsight, but when you're 23, all you're thinking about, at least I was, was, oh, my gosh, you know, I feel like somewhat of a failure because I'm just getting started and I'm uh, not using, you know, all the advantages I've Mm -hmm. got with Mm -hmm. this engineer Mm -hmm. um, education. So um, I think wherever you're at, it's more about the risks that you understand it to be and your willingness to step into it. Well, you know, that's interesting because uh, let me ask you this. Uh, Let's talk about the term bodacious. And that's the title of your book. Uh, What exactly does that mean to you? And what does it mean in terms of our listeners and how they, they, they look at their lives, their careers? That's a great question because it's not a term we use every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to change that. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, just like crust busting is not a term, and it kind of gets your attention. You go, what's that really about? And I'm hoping to change that. Exactly. <laughs> and we need more of these terms so that, you know what, they, and, and I think actually, Pat, I appreciate what you're doing, and a lot. I've had a lot of people um, and women listen to me and say, love that term, bodacious. I'm now adding it to my vocabulary. It just shows that words and terms are very powerful mm-hmm. when they, we make them our own. And it was a word that I made my own during uh, my years at AOL. I was ended up being there for um, just over 10 years. And in that process where it was constant um, demand to perform and tons of change always going on, there was a point at which I felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm kind of overwhelmed by this. I'm getting tired of this year and after, year, after year. I think uh-huh. I've adjusted over and over again, and now it's being required more of me. And a friend of mine gave me a book that had in the title the word bodacious. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's such a great word. And you know what I loved about it and still do is that it has this aspect of being bold and courageous and gutsy and fun. And alive. Exactly. Alive. alive. I feel, you know, I've said this word now several times throughout the week, you know, introducing you and and preparing for today's show. And then again this morning and then in the the introduction. And it really, you know, I feel alive from from it. That's an amazing feeling. Well, and every time I say that word in conversation or, you know, in in any way um, in saying the title of my book, Whatever it is, I always it always cracks a smile on the other person's face. Uh-huh. You know, you can't even say the word in a in a bad tone. You don't get bodacious. You know, yeah. you can't. <laughs> you know, and um, so for me, at the, and particularly at that time, I was going through a lot of challenge in my um, job or you know my career. Also, on top of that, at home and in my personal life, and I really needed to be 
more gutsy and more courageous and more bodacious than ever in my life. So mm-hmm. it was a word that really gave me courage. Yes, it does. And, you know, there's you have a story in your book I'd like to ask you to share with everyone, um, with our listeners. And, you know, I, I, I had a very similar experience as a director of a you know at AT&T and so uh I read this story in your intro and I and I had to laugh and at the same time I thought oh how did we do this would you (laughs) share that story sure sure well um you know I often start by saying that I haven't conducted a formal study really that proves that being bodacious is the key to uh, the key to career and personal success but I have found this true from my personal experience. And at one point in AOL, I was juggling some pretty big items when I had what I call a BOMO, a bodacious moment. Uh-huh. Okay? <laughs> and at that point in my career, for all the recognition and accomplishments and moving up the ranks at AOL, I found that it just wasn't good enough. Mm. Yeah, and I was struggling to get my manager at that point time to see me different, you know, differently as mm-hmm. a young woman who was ready for more responsibility, ready for a promotion. And we had had many conversations about this, but uh, he just wasn't buying. And, and so, you know what, I ended up finding myself in a place where I, in a situation I thought, of course, would never happen to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and, and many of your listeners can relate to this. And that is, I found myself dealing with the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, well... You know, I'm really convinced, by the way, that, you know, the glass ceiling is really this invisible force field that was set up by a lot of guys who watch too much Star Trek. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for anyway, you know, you can clearly see your way up, but you can't get past it. Mm -hmm. Well, I decided at that point that instead of bumping my head against the glass ceiling, that I would take a different route to grow my career, and I I started to apply for grad school. Now, at the same time, you know, it takes a while to apply to grad school, find out if you get accepted, and I didn't want my reputation at AOL to fall. Now, as it turns out, you know, at this, uh, I would end up having to take on or took on the largest management training program to date for that company. Mm. I had to make sure that four, over 400 managers got through four different training programs in four months. So the pressure was still on. Wow, that's a really, that's fast track. It is fast track, yes. and, and it was unfortunately a, the common route at AOL. And then on top of that, or in addition, in parallel, things on the home front were any, weren't any less demanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, after about a half a dozen years of a difficult marriage and tons of hurt and making up and more hurt and enough Kleenex to build a log cabin, <laughs> seriously, my, my marriage unfortunately finally fell apart. And here I was uh, negotiating a divorce that my husband didn't want and was using delay tactic after delay tactic, you know, to put off the inevitable. But that's a lot, you know, it's very, very stressful. And in the midst of all this, one day I was on this tight deadline to get some important details done for the management training program. And that morning I had several back-to-back meetings with some key people to make some final decisions for that training design, which was due a few days later. I mean, it took nearly an act of God to get these people together because of their schedules. So I decided to get up really early to work out and to relieve my stress you know, uh-huh. before I cu- accumulated more. So the alarm went off. I put on my workout clothes. I put my office clothes in the gym bag, and I headed to the fitness center in the AOL building where I worked. And I remember that morning. I had a great workout, you know, pumping iron, running on the treadmill. And then I went to the locker room to shower and change. And standing there with dripping wet hair and a towel wrapped around me, I realized in that moment 
I had a big, big problem. <laughs> a monumental crisis. I had no pants. Oh, my gosh. Right. And so I thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, those pants, I know, were mentally were there when I mentally went through that checklist, you know, on my drive to work. But Oh, I do know the checklist. Yeah, exactly. Yes, but yes. the reality was they never made it from, you know, sitting on my bed into this bag. Yep. And I only had 45 minutes until my first meeting of the day. And, I mean, in the Washington, Seattle area and many cities around the United States, you can't get anywhere in 45 minutes no, during no. rush hours, Mm-mm. let alone to your home and back to change. I thought, what am I going to do? And I only had, you know, that 45 minutes, and now it was really dwindling. So I, there in the locker room, I took a deep breath, and I decided, okay, that's it. Okay. I'm going to the meeting with the only clothes I've got. These <laughs> tight lycra shorts and this t-shirt oh you're kidding no and i thought oh my gosh why did i succumb to the fitness fashion of tight shorts Ah, what did your t-shirt say and actually my t-shirt of all things said life's short learn fast oh my goodness i know it it, and really it was my favorite t-shirt at the time and i remember when i was I decided to go to those meetings, you know, I made kind of fun of the fact that here I am, you know, you know, not so appropriately dressed, but I was, the, you know, I was the head of training of the company, so I said, hey, your head trainer is here, let's get started, you know, and I made fun of it, but the whole time I was sitting there, too, it was as if, you know, this, uh, these words are going across my forehead, like in Times Square, saying, life's short, learn fast. Yeah, that's you're, right. You're forgetting your pants, you're burning out, you know. I know. And uh, and I realized then that I it was another sign for me that I had to really make some changes in dealing with all the things that were going on, and I was forgetting things I don't normally forget. Most people wouldn't have picked up on this. You know, it really hadn't gotten, quote, bad enough um, or noticeable or caused other people any kind of inconvenience. But I knew, and that's what bothered me, and I thought, I'd better do something about this, and uh, which led to making some more choices about my career and uh, and grad school and et cetera. But it was that life short, learn fast, be bodacious, take some risks. And you know, I, I know that we have listeners, uh, you know, that are out there now, and uh, that that might be in the in in the midst of a career transition, or you know, may have found themselves at the other end of a downsizing, the end which says. I'm gone. And also at the end that says, I'm not gone. I'm here, but I'm not sure if I like being here. And uh, we have both men and women. And so what I said earlier was we're talking about careers for both men and women. But the question that, uh, that I'd like to ask you is, you know, how did you come to write this book for women? Well, I, I think you're absolutely right that so many of this, the aspects of what you talk about and what I talk about, too, apply to men and women. It's not gender-specific per se. I direct, um, my, directed my book and, and my speaking and, and all the things that I've done mainly towards women. The main reason that in my ex- own experience of becoming bodacious, I had to wrestle with something that I know a lot of women can relate to and seems to be uh, almost a universal um, experience for women, and that is being a good girl. Oh, the good girl. The whole good girl yeah. thing. I mean, most of us were taught to be a good girl mm. growing up. Our society mm. still in many ways 
reinforces that, some consciously and unconsciously, or deliberately and not so deliberately, but it's still there. We get that message. And um, I realized that in that 10 years of AOL, um, dealing with that constant change, of dealing with the, um, you know, the exciting things that are happening, um, really thriving on that change, that if I... That, that my good girl was, you know, really not willing to take the risks I needed to, not tr- willing to try some things. Uh, um, also, it was really challenging how much I believed in my own abilities. And so that aspect of the, that really fundamental good girl part, um, it really said to my, me, I want to direct my message mainly towards women only because of that kind of universal struggle that we mm-hmm. have in that area. How to kind of bust through that idea. Exactly. My whole mission is to transform good girls into bodacious women. Okay, there you go. You know, on that note, we're going to take a short break. What I'd like to do is invite our listeners to call in and receive a copy of the book. Let me give out the number here. If you're in the Seattle area, the the number to call is 425-373-5527, 425-373-5527. 5527 and toll free at 1-888-298-5569. That's 1-888-298-5569. Call in with your question, with the comment, uh, and, you know, we will, uh, Mary will be, uh, you know, giving uh, you a copy of this book. And, and again, the callers, you know, both men and women. Uh, can call in for questions about this because, you know, we're sharing information that's, uh, you know, to help each and every one of us be successful in this world. And when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking with Mary about the 10 bodacious ways for a bodacious career. So stay with me. I'm Dr. Pat Basile. You're listening to Crust Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life with my very special guest, Mary Foley. We're talking about bodacious careers. And I'm here with producer Benny Mathers. All right. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Baby, set me free from this misery. I can't take it no more. Since you ran away, nothing's been the same. Don't know what I'm living for. Wow, you hear that electric guitar? That's good stuff. Oh, that's electrifying. That's because today we're having a bodacious day. Uh, you're listening to Crust Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and my special guest, Mary Foley, bodacious career, outrageous success for working women. And let me let me do this for a minute, Mary. I want to give out the number again um, for our listeners to call in to receive a copy of the book and to qu- ask question or comment. Uh, if you're in the Seattle area, it's 425-373-5527. And uh, toll free one eight 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 two nine eight five five six nine, and we're talking about how to, you know, create the career that you want, and that's basically what we're talking about. Even if you're you're sitting at a place right now where you're not really thrilled about what you're doing, and I I also should mention this, Mary, that we we have a, a number of people that uh, communicate to, during the show through email. So let me give that address out. That is live at crustbusting.com. Please email, and you can receive a book as well if you send in an email. Uh, I know some some of our listeners are not able to 
to dial out from work and other places. So, again, that's live at crustbusting.com. Uh, call to receive a copy of this amazing book. This is really, there's so many hands-on ideas and tips for really, really, you know, livening up your career. Mary, let me ask you this question. There are 10 bodacious ways for a bodacious career. Now, tell me a few of them. Are there any that, you know, call to you more than, like, the others, any of them? And which Absolutely. ones do you think are most important for, for people, for women? Well, I can tell you that all 10 of them to me are important. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made the list. I know. But, <laughs> and in my book, um, Bodacious Career, I definitely cover all of, in more detail. But there is one that I specifically put as number one because I find there are so many women especially that this becomes a bit of a showstopper for them. Mm-hmm. And this has helped for their career and their personal life and really, you know, anywhere, any aspect of their life. And that is that bodacious women don't take it personally. Oh, that is so important. And, you know, when you, I read that, but I didn't get it until you just said it. There are so many things that I could recall back in my career that I did take personally, including my performance reviews. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's not as if we shouldn't hear feedback uh, about our performance or about our behavior that um, we need to hear. It's simply that, you know, as women, we're, we're typically good at relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, we're good at starting them, nurturing them, keeping them going. And, you know, this is true whether we're in the workplace, whether in, the, you know, the gym, at home. I mean, heck, we're in the grocery store. We'd rather have our interactions with people to be friendly and personable. Mm -hmm. But to be personable is one thing. To take something personally, letting what someone says or what they do really seep into our sense of self, that is something altogether different. And, you know, know, it's taken a long time for me to get to that place because, you know, I I don't know about your experience, uh, but I know for me that it, there were, there are so many opportunities to take things personally in the workplace. Is there anything that comes to mind where, you know, you you had something said to you that you said, wow, this is like the last straw. This is like, I'm taking this so personally. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. It's really a showstopper. Well, exa- there was one time in particular that just immediately comes to mind. And I shared with you how I started with AOL as an $8 an hour yeah. customer service rep. Well, I really liked the call center environment, and over time, I became a trainer and then a training manager, and then six years later, actually, I was the call center manager of 250 people in a seven-day-week operation, and, and it was a great experience, but I, after about a year in that last position as call center manager, I decided myself I was going to take my career further and in a slightly different direction in the company still at AOL, and I joined the human resources team, mm-hmm. and I began to be head of corporate training. Well... With, after a few months um, that I had made that move, I was at one of our company's big parties where we, everybody in the company would come together, and we were celebrating at that point, actually, that um, we had made 5 million members. And at one point, this guy who used to work for me as a customer service rep came up to me, and we started chatting, and he said, you know, Mary, I don't understand why you took this new job. I mean, you were doing so well in the call center. You could have continued to go up and up and up. I mean, it doesn't make sense. And at first, when I heard him speak, I was shocked. You know, and, and I, I started to take it personally. I started to feel kind of defensive inside. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does this guy know, or why does he think 
that he knows better about what's good for me than I do. Wow. Yeah. And, and then I thought, oh, and he's an idiot anyway to tell me. <laughs> because here I was, you know, I had a reputation in the company of helping people advance. I was higher up in the organization than he was, let alone at that point. I was working in human resources. Mm. Oh, and I thought to myself, okay, note to self, this guy's not too smart. Mm. But the main thing was, is I decided in that moment that instead of trying to justify uh, why I'd made this career move, that, you know, I was kind of going to let it bounce off a bit, and instead I just replied by giving him a statement, which Mm -hmm. was just simply, well, you know, I thought it was the best move for me. And then I exited myself from the conversation and I moved on. Oh, there you go. Boy, you know, I love that. You know, how often, you know, do we really get bodacious and exit ourselves from the conversation? I mean, you know, it's like I'm going to hang in here and to defend who I, you know, just I'm there. You know, I need to defend myself. But doesn't it really, isn't it a kind of an amazing thing when we can really graciously, with pride and integrity, exit a conversation? That's right. And I think that good girls have a tendency to uh, go on and on and try to justify and make the other person feel good about what we have done or, or who we are or something. And in fact, what we really need to do, I think, is take the advice from uh, one of my um, bodacious women mentors, which is the late great Catherine Hepburn, oh. who said, "Don't over complain, don't over explain." Mm. And I think that that really shows that tendency that we do have to over explain mm-hmm. and and over complain, over justify. And it's mainly we don't owe the world a huge explanation about no. what we've done. We what we owe are results, uh, dignity, treating others well. Um, and so I think what bodacious women do in the bodacious way is to go, hmm, kind of in your mind, well, you know, that's one opinion. That's certainly theirs. They mm-hmm. uh, not only have a right to it, but it, I'm going to respect that. It doesn't mean I have to take it as my own. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. And what I want to do is I want to give out some information on how folks can contact you. And I actually have a couple of questions for you that have just come in over uh, email. And so why don't you, let's take a, a minute, Mary, and let uh, our listeners know how they can contact you and also get a copy of the book. Well, great. If anyone would love to find out more of what I'm doing and learn about being bodacious or a copy of my book, Bodacious Career, the easiest way is to go to my website, which is www.gobodacious.com. So that's just G-O-B-O-D-A-C-I-O-U-S.com. And I'm going to give out the telephone number again, uh, uh, 425-373-5527 if you live in the Seattle area. Call in with a question or comment and receive a copy of this amazing book. Uh, Toll free, 1-888-298-5569. Let me ask this question. I have a question uh, from Bobby in California, and here it goes. Uh, Mary, many women, I'm one of them, are of a certain age and have experienced downsizing from our careers of choice. What recommendations do you have for a woman who is very experienced to kickstart a new career from the position of not having one? Well, I really can, I really respect uh, Bobby putting herself out there and saying, oh, you know, uh, I've, been, I've worked a long time, I've, I've, I've forged a career, I've, I'm sure you have gained certain skills, Bobby, and um, experiences, 
that are not only very valuable, but they can also still be very relevant to the workplace. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to work, whether it's you want to work for someone or you want to do your own thing. I would definitely say, and my experience has been um, from those who are uh, a little ahead of me, other women, and this applies to men as well, that the workplace is not kind when you get, let's say, over 45 or 50. Mm-hmm. And some of that is economics. Simply economics, where they go, you know, I can hire a 30-year-old or a 25-year-old to do the job good enough for this company. I don't have to pay as much mm-hmm. for the experience. So the first thing is to know that, you know, some of it is just having to do with the conditions. Please don't take it personally. Um, but it doesn't. Uh, but from that point, then you still have to go. Okay, what do I have here to work with? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Don't look at the workplace yet. I would say, is what, what do I have? What skills? list those. What are the things you really do like to do? What activities during the the day that, you know, are obviously some kind of earning type of uh, activities? And then I almost back up and say, gee, is is there another type of job altogether that I can do that can combine these skills differently? Mm -hmm. There are actually a lot of women um, who are in Bobby's situation or they're, um, they're not necessarily um, they're, they're young women, and they're deciding from the get-go that they want to have a more fulfilling life, a different kind of life than they thought they were going to have, yeah. um, and start their own business. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's 1,600 women a day is one of the latest statistics across the country starting their own businesses. Yes. And well, I yes. can understand why that is. You <laughs> uh-huh. can do, right, Pat? Oh, here we are. Exactly. Yep. E- exactly. So um, one of the most audacious things to do, I think, um, uh, for, for women particularly have been in the corporate America or working for someone a long time, is to say, I'm going to do something on my own now. Mm-hmm. And it might be directly in the line of type of work that you've done in the past, or it might be something different. And that in of itself can be very um, energizing. Wow, that's great. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Yes, we do. We have Al. Hi, Al. Good morning. You're here with me, Dr. Pat, and my special guest, Mary Foley. Good morning. And what do you think of all this? Well, I just got part of it, but um, uh, what I wanted to ask the question was, um, I married a lady from uh, England, and she's had a long career over there, but when she came over here to find work, it was difficult. Well, now she's got a a pretty good position, but she uh, is enabling this company by not saying no to to, uh, more and more work. Mm. And uh, so I'm just curious if any of your... Uh, experiences dealt with that situation. Oh, yeah, the old I can't say no? Yeah, right. How about you, Mary? Oh, absolutely, and that's that's a, that's a tough one for a lot of women. We weren't really given the, um, the go-light, so to speak, to say no. <laughs> mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and we, therefore, many women don't have a, a boundary about that, and they don't even have the language either of mm-hmm. to say no. The The thing that helped me because I found myself not being able to say no in, in times when, let's say, my coworker was asking me to do something that was really not my job mm-hmm. or, and, and therefore was going to require me to stay later than I needed to. And I, and I you know, had other things going on in my life. So that's just one example. Um, one of the things we, we not only have, need to realize is that, um, that, as women in particular, that when we are good at what we do, and we're pleasant to work with, mm-hmm. that um, that is attractive, and also we can be taken advantage of because of that. Mm-hmm. 
And so one of the first things I would say to encourage your wife is to um, get her to talk about her feelings of how, you know, how do you feel when people ask you to do things that are more than you're required to do or what your job responsibility or, you know, and, and causes you to stay late or and puts extra stress on you. And get her to get really in touch with that and say, wait, is that really working for you? I mean, do you like that? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes a lot of women say, no, I, I don't. And say, okay, well then, what are some ways that you can essentially say no to that person? And it can be a bit scary, but if we can get the language around it, sometimes it's some, it'll help a lot. For example, instead of saying, well, no, John, I'm not going to do that, you say, <laughs> um, John, I can't do that um, right now, but I could get it to you by Wednesday. Would that be okay? Now, that's not a complete no, but it's starting to put out there some, hey, you can't just walk up to me and ask me to do anything. And when you say jump, uh, you know, I say how high. It might be, um, you know, she builds up to say, well, no, John, I really can't take care of that because I have, you know, these other three things that are of higher priority and therefore, you know, such and such my boss, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and say, however, here's possibly someone else who can help you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the idea is, how can you say no but and have an alternative right. or say no but and have another kind of a, a, de- of, of a deadline? Uh, I would suspect that um, uh, your wife, if she starts doing these, which are kind of on some ways half steps and other forms of saying no, she's gonna, that'll probably be an, enough, uh, gutsy enough for her at this point. And as she st- starts to see how people are, will respond and go, oh, oh, okay. And at first they'll be actually be surprised and probably push back, I mean, not push back, and they'll probably go, oh, oh okay, because they're not used to hearing no from her, mm. and they actually um, like her. Um, but and, and then for to focus on those little mini moments where they got that person to go somewhere else or to do the job themselves and to take off or not add on to more stress and, ha- and, and celebrate those BOMOs and use that to build up her courage to continue to say no in different forms and creative ways. That's great. Al? Al? Oh, we don't know where Al... Do, 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 he just accidentally dropped off. Oh, so. Al, you know, if you call back, Al, please do that. I know you're listening. What great advice, uh, you know, uh, for Al and his wife. And uh, call back, Al, and we'll get your information. We'll get you a copy of this book because this is an amazing book. I want to say this book again, Bodacious Career, Outrageous Success for Working Women. And you are so right about that. You know, sometimes I know for me, uh, it, I have had times where my anger would build, 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 and you know, my boss would come to me and ask me to do the same thing he's asked me to do the, for the past 10 times. And all of a sudden, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they think, oh, my God, she's just lost her marbles. You know, That's right. And in fact, we don't want to set ourselves up no. to, for such resentment that we just explode. Right. You know, my, I remember one of my mentors at AOL said, I don't I can't deal with a problem I don't know about. Mm-hmm. And what that really meant, because um, he was my boss, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that. Hey, if you've if you've got a problem with something, if there's some difficulty, if you know something's bothering you, tell me earlier than later, mm-hmm. and then that way it's more manageable. Wow, we've got another caller on the line. Uh, hold on, we have Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Great, thank you. Welcome to the show. We have Mary Foley with us today. Got a question? I do. I um, kind of took a leap and started my own business. I've been in photography and photography sales for years. And each time I was selling somebody else's pictures, I was thinking, you know, I need to be doing, I need to be doing this under my own name. 
And uh, the problem I'm having is getting brave enough to go after the big contracts. They, I can sell anybody in front of me, but the going out and marketing and starting it off, I stop myself for some reason, and I need to know why or how to step over that. Well, Sandra, this is Mary, and I really appreciate you calling in and um, being brave enough to ask that question and being vulnerable uh, in that way. And I think a lot of women, particularly women business owners who are new at um, starting their business, can relate to exactly what you have described. I think that it's saying something about that you don't think you're completely worth it mm. or that you're not as good as uh, some other people that are you know, selling photography out there. And I think that's a big challenge to believe in our own worth. Uh, that's uh-huh. one of my actually bodacious ways is to know your worth. And a lot of that has to do with knowing your own value that you think that you bring to the marketplace. The fact that you were working for someone else and you were thinking, gee, I could do this on my own, right? Mm-hmm. Means that you already had some sense of your value to the marketplace. In other words, you knew you were of value to the person that you worked for before, your employer, and that that you could tell because you've got different clients and et cetera. And so you thought, well, hey, you know, I'm valuable. I can um, make this much more um, uh, profitable and fruitful for myself financially by doing it on my own. And it's very possible that you could transfer and say, yeah, but I did that, you know, and they were face-to-face clients or they were smaller clients, and I'm comfortable with that zone. And um, But, you know, I want to go after bigger fish, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think that first you you really focus on that you are worth it, that Mm. you have something valuable to offer, and heck, you know, why not buy from me? Mm-hmm. And the best thing to do is to go out there and give it at least one shot. And I'll tell you this other thing, Sandra, and that is if you get a no, you know what? You're getting that already without asking. True. <laughs> True. You, haven't got any, you literally don't have anything to lose. And oh, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Could you say that again? If you get a no. If you get a, if you get a no. You're getting the same answer anyway right now without asking. Oh, I love that. You like yes. that, Sandra? Yes, very much. Wow. Absolutely. And you know from sales, no matter what you're selling and who you're selling it to, that you have to ask a lot more than you're going to get yeses, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. True. Okay, it's the same thing that applies to bigger fish. All right, you just have to believe you're worth it. You're going to get some no's in the bigger fish. You're going to get them with the smaller fish, too. Hey, mm-hmm. why not get them from the bigger ones? At least they yes. know you exist, and they may be a yes later. Mm-hmm. I love that. How does that sound to you? Sounds wonderful. Are you ready to dial them up? Yep. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I want to hear back from you at some point, uh, Sandra, and see how you made out. I sure will call. Thank you. You know, we're with you. We're dialing with you. We're right Great. there dialing with you. So thank you. Stay on the line. We'll make sure we get your information so that we can send you a copy of this fabulous book. Oh, thank you. Oh, right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Wow. Excellent. Mary, I've got a question for you. Um, I received an email, and um, it's it's uh, from Kathy from uh, uh, Arkansas. And um, there's a question and, and uh, regarding, uh, you know, a family member. And, you know, and I love this question because I've been here. And it's about, you know, what do you do when you're having a hard time with your career? And so when you have that hard time, what you do is, and I know I've done this, is you tend to go and say, okay, i got to take that low-paying job. 
and you never really like what you're doing, but you, t- you keep taking that job. Um, is that about, uh, of course, you know, the, for me, it's been some fear or something, but how do you break that pattern? Well, certainly, I think taking a job that either you don't like or um, you like, but it's, you know, it doesn't meet your financial needs. You just keep doing it uh, anyway, um, and there's always that gnawing feeling in both those situations. It, it, it's, it's, there's some resistance here to, or some fear. I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you had expressed yourself, Pat, that you had, um, you knew it was usually some fear that was going on yep. that's there. and. This is what I often have done when I feel kind of stuck um, and, or I feel, you know, almost like paralyzed to make a decision to do something differently, is I will kind of sit down and I might be by myself, might be with a trusted friend or a spouse or a partner, but somebody who really cares about me and I, and I, and I explain, you know, what the situation is and I try to feel it, you know, and I say, gee, let me just say, what's the worst thing that could happen if I left this job and I tr- tried to find, find another, you mm-hmm. know? And I talk it out and I say, oh I, would, oh, I would just feel so scared or, oh, my gosh, this would happen or maybe it wouldn't happen and what would I do? And I would just kind of really express it and almost close my eyes and feel it. Mm. And then I go to worst case, in other words. I go to worst case and I really try to sense it as much as possible. And then I ask myself, and I say to this person now, what is the likelihood of worst case happening? Mm-hmm. Well, and I give that some, you know, some, some real thought. And, you know, usually worst case doesn't happen. But I ask myself anyway, what's the worst, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? How would it feel? And, then, and, what's, and what would I do in that moment? Oh, okay. boy. Yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. This yeah. is what I would do. I would, right. okay, I would, you know, I would do this or I do that. And then we say, what's the likelihood of that happening? Well, it's not that high. It's probably not going to happen. Oh, well, I know the, how I'd handle the worst case. It may not feel good, but mm-hmm. I know how I could handle it. I think this is how I, what I would do. And then you back up and you say, all right, likely that isn't going to happen. And I could, therefore, handle, you know, something less. And it mm-hmm. could be a good thing. And I mm-hmm. imagine a good thing that could happen. Right. And so that is just a way to emotionally get myself unstuck, you know, put myself and deal kind of as much as possible with the fear that's keeping me there and saying, no, I can actually handle that because we have a lot more strength inside of ourselves than we give ourselves credit for. Isn't often. that the truth? And that's where the other person can come in and say, hey, no, look what you did before with, you know, our kid Alice or something, you know, or you handle this other situation with this other person. You can handle this. And then we realize that, in fact, it's true. I know. We do need the cheerleaders. I talked about this earlier today on the radio uh, an hour before, before this one. The cheerleaders have been so instrumental in my life. And, you know, they hold the faith for each and every one of us when we really are down a court sometimes and, and may not be able to hold that faith for ourselves. But, you know, I, I know what that question means. And when you ask yourself that question and you've got to go out there, I can tell you there have been points in my life, uh, in my life where I've, I've had that question, and I can't tell you the dark place that I went to with that. Uh, and yet, when I look back at my track record, and you know, look at and, and again, look at the tips that you've put in this book, um, you know, we're actually you know laying out a plan that contributes to our success. And you're right about this that you know those places you know that we go to, 
around not having a job are unbelievable. The imaginations we have in that area around not having a job. I mean, we go from every place, you know, including death. And That's exactly right. Exactly right. And so, you know, I, that was a question that came in from Kathy, and she asked for a copy of the book for her family member, and I'd like to give her uh, send a copy, uh, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And, and I would um, also ask her to keep this in mind, which is another uh, favorite phrase of mine. Argue for your limitations, and they're yours. Okay, we don't, yes, if you argue for your limitations, not only are they yours, but they show up right quick, don't you think? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like you can hardly get the sentence out of your mouth, and the next thing you do, you know, it happens, and you say, oh, there it is, you see? That's it, I was exactly, that's exactly what I told you I was, and look, and now I'm going to show it to you. I have the proof now. And, uh, boy, that's one we absolutely want to turn around and know that each and every day, stop and take a moment and think about the accomplishments and really hold yourself in a, in a way that honors the life path that you're on. Just like, you know, the path that you're on and the great work, Mary, that you're doing for so many people. You know, I'd like to just tell our listeners one more time uh, how they might contact you and get a copy of this book. So would you let us know uh, one more time what your website is? Yes. Um, I would really encourage my your listeners uh, to to join in on what I call the Bodacious Movement, learn more about what I'm doing Mm -hmm. by going to my website, Mm www.gobodacious.com. And there you can order a copy of my book. You can get on my Mm e-newsletter called Bodaciously, which comes out once a month to encourage you to live the Bodacious way. Um, You can read about Bodacious women, ordinary women that I've profiled, BOMOs that people have submitted, Bodacious Moments. A lot of fun things on there, too, to encourage you to be bodacious. And, you know, I want to thank the women that called in today. And I also want to thank Al for calling in today and really supporting, you know, his wife to be bodacious. Absolutely, Al. I'd say it takes a bodacious man to love and support a bodacious woman. Don't you love it? It takes a bodacious man to love and support a bodacious woman. Boy, they're going to get bodacious together, don't you think? I think so. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Mary. Thank you, thank you, thank you for an amazing show. Well, thank you, listeners. Love you, love you, love you. Thank you for calling in, you know, and and demonstrating your courage. We'll see you here tomorrow. Tomorrow's one-on-one day with me, Dr. Pat Basile, for some serious crust-busting. And we will be having Paul back. He was one of our callers Tuesday. He is going to be sharing his vision. So until then... I'll see you tomorrow. Me, Dr. Pat, and... Producer Benny Mathers. All right.